I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 472. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Before I get started today, I want to draw your attention to a free episode guide that complements this specific podcast episode by giving you direction as to where to study and some Bible interaction tools to help you dig in. You can find this guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 472 download. And if you've already subscribed to my email list, this guide is in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's word in new ways. You can always identify an artist by their works of art. Your favorite singer, you'd recognize that voice anywhere. Your favorite photographer, they have a distinctive style you can spot. Your favorite painter, those brushstrokes, the colors and style, unmistakable. When We the Kingdom sings Jesus Does, they are rehearsing some of the works of Jesus, works that are unmistakably acts of our Savior. My goal for this episode is to train us to look for and understand the works of Jesus so that we can spot them anywhere. But before we jump into scripture, let's listen. This is my second year as a homeschool mom, well, a homeschool supervisor of a junior in high school who is enrolled in online classes from a variety of sources. But when we agreed to let our youngest transition from private school to homeschool, I insisted that I be her Bible teacher. To my delight, she wholeheartedly agreed. And last year, we read through the entire New Testament. We had robust discussions over patterns that we could see, questions, observations, and and more. Now, this year, we are embarking on reading the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the Pentateuch or the Torah. And we're going to be using the Reader's Bible that I've talked about before on the podcast, Immerse Beginnings. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes. It absolutely changes the reading experience of Scripture, and I highly recommend it. But in preparation for taking my daughter through the text, uh, it's also going to be the same book that I use for a Bible class that I teach at my church's leadership college. Um, I'm going to be reading a book by Michael Barrett entitled Beginning at Moses, A Guide to Finding Christ in the Old Testament, because I agree with his premise that Christ is the heart and pulse of Old Testament revelation. I'm going to go ahead and link to that book in the show notes as well. I haven't completed it yet to be able to post a review, but so far it's wonderful and it's easy to read and understand. 
Sometimes the academic books that I consume are wonderful, but not so easy to read and understand. So uh, this one fits the bill. But Michael Barrett says this. He says, The Pentateuch, the first five books with all their religious rituals, prepares the way for the perfect priest to stand between God and people as the perfect sacrifice for sin. The historical books draw attention to the perfect king who would come to rule his people and subdue his enemies. And the prophets anticipate the perfect prophet who represents and reveals the only true and living God to humankind. The poetical books put it all together with the Christ as the great theme for worship and praise. And Jesus himself also says that the law and the prophets point to him. You know, he had this conversation with a couple of his disciples after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus. And he said in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, he said, he actually called them foolish. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All right. But this also implies that if his disciples missed it, his disciples who were Jewish by heritage and culture, probably had much more exposure to the teachings of the Old Testament than we do. If his disciples missed it, it's probably for easy easy for us to miss it or to miss Jesus in the Old Testament as well. So back to the idea that I presented in the introduction of this episode when talking about art. Michael Barrett says this, for purposes of identification, someone's work is often as good as a signature. Linking someone to a particular work requires knowledge of both who the person is and what he or she does. The better we know people, the more likely we will recognize them by their work. Art experts and literary experts can identify certain artists and authors only because they have studied their works so thoroughly. The point is that works can identify people. And so our song this week inspired me to study a book of the New Testament that highlights the works of Jesus because Jesus's works are what Jesus does, are they not? (laughs) And so I have the perfect book to study ahead um, of just this embark uh, as I embark on the Old Testament, because there are so many references to the details of the Pentateuch in this New Testament book. Can you guess which book I'm talking about? Well, it is the book of Hebrews. Now, each episode of More Than a Song, I share bites, Bible interaction tool exercises. These are habits that help you take a bite out of scripture. (laughs) A little cheesy, I know, but they really do work. And if you follow me on social media, I share a bite every Saturday. But in preparation for interacting with Hebrews the way I did this week, I encourage you to take the bite of reading in context and read and keep on reading. In this case, I want you to read the entire book of Hebrews. It is 13 chapters, but reading this letter all the way through is important to build a foundation to then build on through the other bites. So open the book and read and keep on reading until the end. And when you do that, you'll understand the parts that you'll study later in context of the whole. So as you go back to interact with the text, you will have that foundation of the full context or the full text. All right. It might even be good to take the bite of repetition. So one of the easiest ways to do this is to read it the first time and then maybe take the bite of listening to an audio version of the text and then maybe take the bite of reading or listening in various translations. And so you could do this over the course of a few days to prepare you for the day that you have more time to sit down and interact with the text. 
And when you are ready to set aside a little more focus time, then we'll take the bite of making a list. And since we are studying the works of Jesus, your list should include anything you see in Hebrews as an act of Christ. So something Jesus does, just like in our song. All right, so look for verbs and make sure that they are applicable to Jesus and just start making your list. If there's something on your list that jumps out at you, feel free to take the bite of meditation. Really think about that specific act of Jesus or take the bite of following the cross references to study more deeply about that idea. My goal is to study the works of Christ in order to be so familiar with him that I can spot him anywhere. I'll be able to spot him in the Old Testament as I'm going through it this semester with my college-age leadership students and my high school-age daughter. And hopefully, I'll train myself to spot him in my daily life too. So let me share a portion of what I uncovered in my own study to get you started. So in the first two chapters of Hebrews, right out of the gate, I see something Jesus does uh, is that he creates. Specifically, he has a role in creation. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In these last days, he, meaning God, has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So, Not only does Jesus create, but he keeps the world as we know it, literally spinning on its axis. In in verse three, it says he's, he being Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So you see, he upholds the universe. That is something that Jesus does. So right there, also in this verse, verse three, we see two more things that Jesus did. He um, provided purification for sins and he sat at the right hand of the father. So this idea of purification for sins and sacrifice, it's a prevalent theme throughout Hebrews. It's going to show up over and over and over in your study. This was required for our salvation, which our song rehearses. So you can kind of see how it all ties together. Now, I hope that as you dig in deep, that the song will remind you of what you studied. The song's a good one. You know, it really is. But if you can harness its power to remind you of the list that you're making by studying Hebrews, um, the list that declares what Jesus does, well, that's your sweet spot. Let the song empower you to remember what scripture says. Don't let the song replace scripture. So I'm going to skip down my list a bit to something I learned in in verse nine of chapter two. And it says, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We learn a lot about Jesus in this verse, but the thing I'm focusing on um, are his works. And what did Jesus do? He tasted death for everyone. And then the author of Hebrews goes on to say, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. So here we see that Jesus brings many sons to glory. He makes our salvation perfect through suffering. He calls the sanctified um, believers brothers. Now, Let's go back to reading the book of Hebrews all at once, rather than taking verses out of context without reading the whole thing first and repetitively, repetitively at first. Uh, because while uh, wh- if, you, if you just look for the verbs, if you don't read all of Hebrews, 
at one sitting, you'll miss uh, some of these greater ideas. Like in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 2, they go on to quote verses from Psalm 22 and Isaiah 8. And if you look a little bit closer at Psalm 22, you say, hmm, I wonder what that's about. You'll see that it's a messianic psalm. And if you look closer at the quote from Isaiah 8, you'll see that Isaiah is hinting that those who trust in the Lord are children of God. And so I really love what my commentary uh, said here. I'm going to link to it in the show notes as well, Exalting Jesus in Hebrews. But it says, these Old Testament citations remind readers that there is a distinctively Christian way to read the Old Testament. The law and the prophets bear witness to Christ. He is their telos. In some instances, this is obvious, such as in the Messianic Psalms and prophetic predictions about the coming Messiah. In other instances, the Old Testament more subtly points to Christ through typological patterns and redemptive historical themes. Whatever the case may be, the author of Hebrews reminds us that the message of the Old Testament is fundamentally Messianic. The Old Testament must be read in light of its fulfillment in Christ. All right, so this further makes my point that there is a way to read the Old Testament in light of its fulfillment in Christ. But again, it still must be read. There's a way to read it, but you have to read it. Okay, so let me skip down to verse 17 of chapter 2. It says, Therefore, he had to be made in like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So while I was making my list of things that Jesus does, I wrote down, Jesus makes propitiation for the sins of the people. But then I put a question mark out to the side of that on my list, because this way I could just keep reading, keep making my list, and then I could go back to study that word later, because that word propitiation stuck out to me. It's a word I've heard, um, and I think I understand it, but if I were put on the spot, explain it right now, Michelle Nizat, what does propitiation mean? I, did, I just couldn't have explained it to you easily, so I put a little question mark out to the side, and then I when I went back, After making my list, I took the bite of defining the word, like looked it up in the dictionary. Okay, I I took also took the bite of completing a word study, which is really looking at this word in the Greek using lexicons and other Bible resources. But I started out with just an English dictionary. However, when I looked up the word propitiation in the dictionary, uh, it did that amazing thing that it does when it uses the word in the definition, which is so annoying. Not helpful to know that propitiation is the act of propitiating. Okay, other than to remind us that this is an action. This is something that Jesus does. So I had to look up propitiating, and, and that is to make favorably inclined, appease, conciliate, And when I take the next step of looking at synonyms, I saw the word appease again, but also the word atone. Okay, so I think we're getting closer to the biblical sense of the word, but I felt like um, a word study was, was in order, and that really did help more. So in the Lexham Theological Word Book, I learned this, that haloskamai, which is uh, the verb uh, propitiation, or to be propitiated, show mercy, make atonement, refers to the act of making atonement or accepting of accepting atonement and thus being merciful. Well, isn't that interesting? So this word propitiation has this appeasement, atonement, and mercy all wrapped up in it. 
But here's what's really interesting. I love it when a word's used more than once in the Bible, but it really, to me, gets really interesting when it's only used a couple of times. And so this verb, halaskamai, occurs twice in the New Testament. Once here in um, Hebrews, and then the other time in Jesus's parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, you might remember this parable. It's uh, the one where the Pharisee prayed, I'm so glad I'm not like all these other sinners because I'm pretty great. And the tax collector wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the tax collector asks God to be merciful. He'll ask him, I, this usage implies atonement as forgiveness. And then, of course, the second occurrence of the verb seems to evoke the language of of an atonement ritual that we would see in the Old Testament, that propitiation. Now, Jesus is portrayed as a high priest who makes atonement, alaskamai, for the sins of the people. And in both occurrences, this verb is considered an action uh, necessary due to human sin. Isn't all of that so fascinating? And so that's where... Interacting with the text, that's thats what you might end up there uh, with this kind of knowledge and information and greater understanding as you pull out words and study them for yourself. So my list goes on and on. We're running out of time. Uh, however, two things jumped out at me as I read Hebrews looking for what Jesus does. First of all, um, besides all everything that I learned by uh, acknowledging the verbs and, and the action words of, of Christ, the writer of Hebrews offers up a warning that I want to draw your attention to and then also offers an appropriate response. So the warning comes early. Chapter three, um, in light of Jesus, as we consider Jesus, as we learn from his works, as we see him all over the Old Testament, we are to take care. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the warning is to avoid an unbelieving heart. Uh, The warning is to avoid falling away, avoid being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The warning is not to harden your heart. He goes on basically to say, and don't think it won't happen to you, because in verse 15, it says, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And he's quoting from the Old Testament here. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. I stand in the camp that thinks, if I had seen and experienced God so tangibly like the Israelites did who were rescued for Egypt, there'd, there'd be no way I wouldn't follow God. But the writer of Hebrews is saying to me, not so fast. Uh, chapter four, verse two, for good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the admonition is to listen to the good news, believe it, live it. Live in it. Don't harden your heart in unbelief. Now, remember, as you read through Hebrews, you're going to see a lot of reference to sacrifice and atonement and propitiation and redemption and death and intercession and more. So in light of all that, Hebrews chapter 10 gives us an appropriate response. It starts with a therefore, but you will have already just studied what that's there for. So let's look closer at some of the let us's of 
Hebrews. There are a few before this section in Hebrews chapter 10, but uh, verses 19 through 25 have that has three that I want to consider today. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Draw near to where? To the throne of God. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. What is the confession of our hope? Our living hope, Jesus Christ. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How do we do that? Well, he, don't neglect to meet together and encourage one another. Those are two ideas that the Hebrew author, author of Hebrews suggests. With those two thoughts, our options are endless. Get creative. How can you stir up one another to love and good works? And there are two final let us's I want to draw our attention to as I close. In light of everything that Jesus does, has done, does and is yet to do. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So what's next? Well, read the book of Hebrews from beginning to end. Read it several times over several days if you can. When you do finally sit down to interact with the scripture, look for what Jesus does in the text. You're looking for action words, past, present, and future, to help you get to know Jesus through his works. Then, like a signature, he will be easier to spot in the Old Testament and hopefully in life. And while you're in God's word, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellenizat.com. You can hop on X or Instagram at michellenizat or on Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then don't forget to grab your episode guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 472 download. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed lately, like Ronell from South Africa, Mike from Kansas, Kayla from Iowa, Josie from Texas, Corinne from Washington, Sherry from Texas, Gloria from South Carolina, Romaine from North Carolina, David from Illinois, and Janelle from Kentucky. Welcome. Don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizette.com or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, you can do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring Preference by Rachel Morley to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, X, or email. Just head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 472. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.